listener discretion. Firstly, in any of the stories that we cover in this episode, any of the humour will never be aimed towards any of the victims. Secondly, any impressions that are done are only done for the purpose of humour and mean no offence. Now, on with the episode. It's Grandad. Hey, and it's Bud. <laughs> that was an unna- unnatural pause there. No, it's fine. Let's let's roll with it. Um, and you are joining us <laughs> with episode 10 of Better Show. Crack your head up to the stars and gaze onwards, because tonight is going to be a better show. Imagine that it is night time. You are all alone on an overlook that spans hundreds of miles. There, you can not only see the land, but also gain a full appreciation of the universe above you. The stars, they shine bright tonight, almost too bright. You are alone, and yet, you can never be alone ever again. The stars, the stars, they seem to be fading, and your vision with them. And with that, you remember exactly where you are. So, um, in today's show, we're going to be doing something very different. We're, um, the, I should probably uh, mention the title of the show, although all of you guys will be able to see it when we put up this episode. It's going to be called I See Dead People. Um... <sighs> Uh, and we are going to be talking about necrophilia. Ooh. Yes. So it's fair so to what say. Gave you, what gave you that idea? Um, I came across. <laughs> I came across. Lots of people have asked me this when I've talked about when we were going to do this episode, and um, I came across it in another true crime podcast, and they went into it, and some of the. I mean, there's there are even cults that exist out there of people that meet up and go over their experiences and share um, stories and then share experiences, literally go out and take part in these in these acts. So, I mean, it's fair to say that um, socially necrophilia in any capacity is not accepted and can lead to anything from um, gentle scoldings to all the way up to arrests. So... Um, it's interesting that society has moulded us in such a way that um, uh, during a conversation that can take place at a dinner table, we're so comfortable with openly talking about uh, violent acts all the way down to murder, but talking about necroph- necrophilia is just a massive no-no. And that was a point that was raised by one of the articles that I found, that, that this person found it so bizarre that um, socially we're so open about talking about things like murder, but then when it comes down to that, everyone... Uh, raises an eyebrow to say the absolute least I, th- I think it's the idea that even like some of the most sort of uh, psychologically damaged people know that you shouldn't mess with a dead body yeah. or at least that, that's just an opinion of many but you know with with the context of today's podcast there are some people that take it a little step further they do yeah um, so the, it's it's also interesting to see that one of the um, suggestions on this article for uh, for people who are experiencing these tendencies is literally just go and seek help. 
<laughs> it, it isn't oh maybe go to a library or something because the the thought behind it is if you start to indulge in things as simple as uh smart fiction or um or uh, videos online in the dark web you're going to feed that almost addiction or craving to so it will eventually then lead to a physical act of some kind yeah so one of these um physical acts uh was taken place by um or taking part were three men that were accused of trying to dig up a young woman's body to have sex with it and um and uh had been given charges of attempted sexual assault but these were dismissed by the judge who noted that the the uh, location in question which is uh, wisconsin um actually has no law against necrophilia which is interesting. So, um, is that, is that still to this day? I'm not too sure because I think the article was written in 2006, so I don't know if that's changed okay. since then. Uh, but they, those charges were dropped, but they still face lesser charges, and these lesser charges are in the nature of the um, the uh, the way that they decimated the tomb because they caused a lot of property damage when actually trying to get into this graveyard slash tomb. <laughs> So they can be charged also with, you know, breaking and entering it. Well, the, I think that was the only thing they were charged with was that and the, <laughs> the damage. But the oh, drop, wow. the charges of sexual assault were dropped due to the fact that the um, the area didn't have any laws against necrophilia. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> uh, but so they, so they were arrested um, uh, after an attempt of digging up Laura Tenson of 20 years of age of Castleville, who was killed August um, 27th in a motorcycle accident and buried at St. Charles um, Catholic Cemetery um, in Castleville. So someone called the authorities to report suspicious activities at the cemetery on September 2nd and deputies found someone had dug down to her vault. Wait, she had a vault? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting wording. I don't know... If that she, if she was quite wealthy as a family, or part of quite yeah, a wealthy family, because wealthy people get like you know quite uh, how can I say it really nice like graves, nice nice burial sites. Yeah, you know they get like sometimes you get people that have almost their own kind of tomb sort of thing. Yeah, it's just, it's just pretty cool, you know. It's, oh it's, yeah, it's a step up, but it really does kind of show the wealth in all of this. It does. Um, and if I should be, ever be so fortunate to get to that point, I would like to think that in my will it would specify a various combination lock that would that would be able to uh, keep my body safe from people like this. <laughs> um, so uh, the county sheriff uh, said that um, the three were not actually acquainted with the young lady, but had seen her obituary with her photo, which was probably what spurred them on to committing this act or attempting to so um yeah i mean that's just one that's just one example of of a, a necrophilia and there are plenty out there I'm, I, I don't know what our, our take on it should really be because um like i've mentioned before on better show we don't shame those who take part in certain acts unless obviously you're breaking the law in which case it's the law of the land you just have to accept the consequences as they roll but it's interesting because i yeah i, I don't feel like i'm in any place to necessarily 
judgment that decide, you know, I'm going to make love to this lovely dead body right here. But at the same time, it's kind of just like, as long <laughs> it, it really does question your morals kind of thing. It kind of makes you question your morals because someone's already dead. The person committing this act might not have killed them. Yeah. So there's no crime committed yet. But then when they decide I'm going to violate this dead body, you know, it's kind of like they're already dead. So there's no pain. It's just like, you know I mean? it's like desecration, you know, it's like, you know, I'm sure many people would find it just completely abominable and disrespectful to the dead and whatnot, which is completely understandable. And obviously it's illegal in most places now, I'm assuming. Yeah, like, very much so. Um, especially in the West. I don't know about anywhere else, but it's just bizarre because we understand that these, these people who do it might have something wrong with them, like mentally speaking. Um, but... <laughs> you don't it's hard to sort of like really grasp what's going through their head yeah absolutely when they, when they decide they're going to do it it's kind of like if they didn't have any luck with living people it's kind of like that sounds like a last resort but it's been do it's been documented as, as one of the appeals of committing necrophilia is the fact that you cut out that part of the um the consent side of a relationship you you don't you literally can't get that from the other person unless you're involving a Ouija board. But even then, that's up to speculation of whether or not that actually is a thing. So they they enjoy the fact that it's or some of them do at least they they enjoy the fact that that's not part of the courting if you if you want to call it that. Um, that <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's definitely a very different. Um, I don't even know if I can call it a kink because it's become such a thing that it's not just a a sexual thing. It's almost become a way of life for some people. Yeah, it's almost like another form of romance. Like, that's yeah. how I have seen it portrayed in the media. Like, even though, like, if, if, if you're reading something off a, a news article and, you know, they say this sickening act happened in this certain location, you okay, okay, so obviously people don't agree with it. I understand. But then when you hear about it from other things, like, I don't know, like movies or TV or something, you get a, a different perspective altogether. And it's like, it really delves deep into the, the psychology of it all. And it kind of makes you feel for the person that's committing these acts sort of thing. Yeah. So there so was... It's kind of like you, you feel as though there is some kind of weird romance going on, but yeah. it's very one-sided yeah absolutely so there was a um a british serial killer i can't remember his name but he's going to be one that we uh, go into as a podcast anyway later on um and he um he was a homosexual and he started to kill young boys but the appeal behind it was that he could um he could strangle them and then just have them in his living room and he would have them sitting in an armchair and i don't know if you'd have like a full-on conversation with them but the relationship would continue on with just having them around and it was like the company aspect but there'd be no um arguments or anything like that and eventually he would then burn the bodies or um what he eventually started doing was um dismembering them and then flushing their remains down the loo which is ultimately how he got caught oh <laughs> 
Yeah. Places. It's, it's <laughs> didn't the... think to burn the remains or anything. So no, well, <laughs> that's what he originally did. But he then moved properties. He then moved properties to somewhere where it wasn't, um, it wasn't easily. He couldn't easily access the garden, or I'm not even sure if there was a garden for him to access at that new property. So he then had to result to flushing them down the loo. But the original, the original uh, way of discarding of these uh, corpses was through burning them, which is far more efficient um, than just disbarding. Because obviously you're gonna, especially with British uh, plumbing, <laughs> um, you're gonna well, create. Speak, speaking of um, British, um, the, I watched a TV show called Rillington Place recently, which was about uh, Reg Christie, who was a uh, serial killer and necrophile. Who yeah. was, uh He was played by the actor Tim Roth, who, if you've if you've seen any of uh, Tarantino's movies, he's been in quite a few of those. Um, he, if this was dur- uh, taking place during the forties, I believe. So this is at a time when. London, like during in the in London, where loads of houses were just being packed full of like you know random people to like make space or whatever um, for the war effort and stuff. And this guy, you know, he had his uh, he had a wife, and um, you know he was just killing young women mostly, sort of like in their I suppose in their twenties maybe. Yeah. Um, and eventually ended up killing his wife. Uh, the, the the TV show didn't really display any of the, the the necrophile aspect of it, but you could see how it was portrayed. There was a sexual sort of tension through it all, and he sort of presented himself like a weak old man. But when he went to kill someone, he was he was pretty strong. He was a pretty hefty guy. Yeah, um, yeah, really scary actually, because uh, he, he got away with it for quite some time, and he managed to get someone framed for his murders. As oh well. wow. Okay, and he was there. He was there in court because this person he framed was living with him in the house, uh, and he, he even um, apparently killed a baby, but never admitted to it. He admitted to killing everyone else, but never this this baby. Wow. Okay, so um, to move on to a different side of um, necrophilia, I came across a um, a bit of dramatic reading which is from a lady called Stoya, and she reads um, uh, something under the name of Necrophile Variations, and something quite interesting happens. So I'm going to play out the video. Hopefully you'll be able to hear it across your end. Hi, I'm Stoya, and today we'll be reading a section from Superverts, Necrophilia Variations. We were at a party, you and I, in celebration of a long forgotten cause for joy. There was raucous drinking. The party pushed on into the darkest hours of the night. Somebody brought out a video camera to tape the merrymaking. Your boyfriend was seated at a table with some other men drinking and you were there beside him with your hand on his thigh. The camera came and exhorted you all to be witty for posterity. Jokes were made, funny faces and obscene gestures were directed at the camera. I happened to be lying on the table. Your boyfriend picked me up, slipped his face into mine, put the cheap rubber band around the back of his head. He and I mugged for the camera together. For a moment, he was death personified as a drunk man, or was I an inebriated reaper of souls? You, my darling, leaned over and performing for the camera, pushed your tongue through my plastic mouth and into his. You were tongue kissing the personification of death 
I could feel your breath, share your alcoholic saliva. Your friends all cheered. The kiss ended, but then, sweetness, you couldn't pull your tongue back out through my face. My plastic lips had caught it tight like a Chinese finger trap. You winced, pulled, made a sort of open-mouthed, gargling cry. The men at the table laughed and jeered. Finally, you managed to extract your little muscle of love, but not without cutting it on the sharp edge of my lips. Afterward, the videotape clearly showed sweet blood on your tongue. If you'd been sober, you might have found it symbolic. You can kiss somebody else's spouse and get away with it. You can kiss a member of the same sex with near impunity. You can give an incestuous kiss on the sly. You can tongue kiss a dog or exchange raptures with lab rats, but you can't kiss death without death kissing you back. Death is a passionate kisser. I bite your lips to your tongue, leave a little taste of blood in your mouth as important of things to come. If I were to kiss you between the legs, you'd see a little blood there too and think your period had come early, but it wouldn't be your Menzies lover. It would be a ruination a death's head with your clitoris in its mouth. Death is mad about you. Death loves you. Do you love me too? I'm not needy, but I enjoy intimacy, especially with you, darling. Go ahead, slip your face into mine. I like to feel your warm lips in my inert visage. <laughs> I like to feel your eyelashes tickling my empty old sockets. One day I'll slip my face into yours too and then we'll experience another sort of intimacy. I'll be inside you like a lover. I'll kiss you from the inside and it will feel like catching a chill. You'll get goosebumps up your thighs and shivers down your spine. I'll whisk you to my wormy bed and we'll lie there nestled in each other's arms or at least so long as you have arms. And even then when you're hideous dust, I will remain true. I am death, and when I love you, it's forever. And why shouldn't you love me back? I know that sometimes you fantasize about me. <gasps> you lie in bed at night wondering how and when I will come and what I'll look like when I do. Am I a knight in shining armor, a fiery dog of hell? <gasps> do I look like a vampire, a skeleton, a ghost? <gasps> You imagine me taking you into my arms, embracing you, comforting you. There, there, I say, kissing your tears away. I'll make those awful things go away. Life won't be a burden to you anymore, I promise. <sighs> Pull back the curtain to reveal a wonderful new world. A party, a riot, a ball. It's the costume affair, Marty. God, Halloween festival, the day of the dead, and it's enormous fun to prance around in the arm of inevitable doom. Life is short. Seize the day, go ahead, darling, slip me on, pretend you're me. See the world through my sockets. Laugh, live, love while you can, eat, drink, and be merry. What do you think I do? I'm death and I laugh and make merry too. 
dance with skeletons and make goblets out of soul skulls. <laughs> to drink from the cranium, you should know, is very fine. <gasps> when your brains are gone, what nobler substitute could there be than wine? Oh. So no medals to um, anyone who works out what she achieved at the end of that. <laughs> but yeah, it's super interesting that someone could read something like that and like through no hand action, her both her hands were on the table, um, achieve something as, I mean, I don't know if you could detect it from your end, but it wasn't like a little, ooh, that was like full on. I don't know how to perceive that, to be honest. No, neither did I on the first time of having viewed it. <laughs> I wasn't too sure. Also, was because it was very um, symbolic. It seemed like there were loads of sort of metaphors, and it's kind of something you gotta you gotta really think about. Yeah. Get gets the old noggin jogging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But def definitely an, an an interesting one, and it um continues on with uh, other people as well. So, um Hayden, or this person's documented as being Hayden, but it's apparently not his real name for reasons that will become obvious. Um, is eighteen years old, and he will never forget the moment when he first realised he was a necrophile. He was fourteen years old at a funeral of a girl who had been a close friend. It was the first time he had come into contact with a corpse. He is quoted of saying, I could feel the chill of her skin on my hand for hours after, and I thought about what it would be like to hold onto her forever. She was so cold, and her eyes were so open and black and lifeless. Hayne told me, recalling the experience. I remember the way the light glinted off her face and made her look like she was asleep, but her eyes were so wide and so dead, he continued. I thought I could drown in them. I wanted to brush my hand through her hair and curl my fingers around her, uh, sorry, around hers and just let my skin linger and mould to hers so that I could feel her forever. It felt like it was over too soon. When he would recall the experience, Hayden said it was often accompanied with the intense feeling of anger and guilt and he tried to tell others about what he had felt he added they were far from um accepting so <coughs> and you can imagine people not being all that accepting of that kind of thing but it's interesting it's not just i don't know if you would ac accumulate or uh, label that as necessarily a sexual experience of necrophilia because i know that's it's basis what necrophilia is but isn't it also the attraction towards something that's dead not just necessarily a sexual act i mean if he if this person was also 
close with the deceased and i suppose it's a kind of uh there's i suppose the idea that someone is now gone might not necessarily have uh clicked with this guy yeah so maybe you know he either looked at her like she was still alive or he tried to give her what he couldn't give her when she wasn't um you know it's kind of like a this is my only chance, maybe, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's definitely affection there. There's definitely lo- some form of love there. There isn't primarily sexual. I mean, I suppose in this instance, a sexual act is all that this person could really do to express himself, you know. And when he, obviously, he's, you know, doing it with a dead body, it's kind of like... Uh, can't really think of anything else to do at that point you know if if once you get into it it's kind of i suppose because i i wouldn't know but i don't know it's i don't know it's great it's really fucking weird <laughs> yeah to be perfectly honest um so uh, there um but there was something that stuck with me from that particular reading and it's that instead of just the um the idea of the sexual experience he said that he wanted to um, touch her and have the skin skin on skin contact in such a way where he would start to mould with this individual and almost become one yeah. so he could feel her forever um, so I, I, I'm still around the, the idea that this was heavy attraction towards her personality and a deep desire to continue to experience the um, the niceties of their relationship before she passed I mean I suppose it's a really uh, interesting way to either pretend that this person is still alive or to gain closure from the fact that they are now gone hmm. I don't know because um, he's I suppose you could also argue he was 14 so he's at that tricky age where he's ex- experiencing feelings that he may not quite understand and certain urges can be um, put down to a completely other other things uh but it's, it's definitely interesting it's one that stuck with me out of all the research that i've done for this episode it's definitely one that that stuck with me wait where did he um find the body <clears throat> so it doesn't actually say in this that he had a sexual experience with the corpse so he was actually at a funeral he was at the funeral of this girl right um but i don't know how he was then able to come skin on skin contact with the corpse yeah i don't know whether she was in an open casket or, or what i mean maybe but it's kind of like how it, it really makes you ask how someone is able to do that mm. at a funeral or in a place yeah. of a funeral <laughs> where it's probably of... one of the places where you could get away with the least amount of stuff because everyone's so focused on that very that very thing yeah um, maybe people had like taken off to go to the wake or, or something, and it's just like they go off to to get sad and drunk <laughs> and try to remember the good times. And yeah. he's still lingering about, like I'm alone with the body. Mm. It's my time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but even even a simple. Uh, skin on skin contact where like I say it could have been an open casket and he could have just touched her hand maybe if she was grasping a, a, a bunch of flowers or something it could have been as brief as that and all of this would still apply to that one experience because it doesn't say that yeah. he he touched her for a long time the, the, the quote was that he wished he had 
or had the opportunity. Oh, the, the, right. the experience was so fleeting that he wished he could have experienced more, and that then led to the whole he wanted to touch her and then almost mold with her. Mm. <laughs> so to go away from specific um, people just for a moment... There is actually a law in India that states if a female dies before marriage, her fiancé um, has the ability to deflower her if she, if she hasn't been already before um, she is cremated. And the ceremony um, ha- has to be taken place in front of the village priest. <laughs> so um, for those who think like out in the States and out in um, England that, you know, priests are... Uh, did go through some rather uh, um, eye-raising events out there and here. Just, just, just think about that for a second. My God, that is uh, questionable indeed. Yeah, <laughs> like, it might be for religious reasons or whatever, but from a moral standpoint, it, from human to human, that's kind of like. Mm, I mean, I don't know uh, as a a law or a religious right i don't know that's i don't know how um how strict they are on uh, because i know in certain societies like it was um something that went i really want to cover this because it was a fascinating film to watch i can't remember for the life of me what it was called but in ireland there was a setup of camps that would take in women forcefully if they had been um, considered damaged goods but then the the men were never affected by this they could go around and sleep with as many women as they wanted but I don't know if it's the same out there where it's much more strict on the women's side than it is on the male but um, the only reason why I came up with that thought was that um, it would be quite interesting well I don't know it depends on your point of view but like if you're if you're getting down to business with your deceased wife or partner or whatever and the priest is like if you, if you both haven't had an, an experience of sexual nature at all and is the priest then able to like offer advice if you're doing it wrong <laughs> no 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 miladi you that's the wrong hole that's that's not how you do that i mean <laughs> it depends on the priest there might be priests that just stand by and watch with a, a, a straight face he might he might even look unimpressed but he'll just watch or even turn turn his back while you're yeah. getting away with it and he'll just be like okay right let's let's bury her or maybe there'll be some that are quite you know sort of have a have a lighter mood and you might just go hey uh this is yeah just do that do yeah get in that position or whatever <laughs> might be easier i don't know <laughs> isn't it isn't also in indian culture where they came up with the book of like it's meant to be one of the most provocative sexual books out there it's all about sexual positions and i can't remember what it's called <laughs> but i'm fairly sure it was india oh, but the, I mean, maybe you just maybe they do a bit of light reading before the before the day. Maybe. <laughs> brush, brush up on their research. Um, so it's like, uh, we're gonna now go back to the terribly gross and just oh my god. But uh, believe it or not, in Egyptian embalmers. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, are documented as sometimes having wandering hands with corpses. And this gave birth to the saying, putting your loaves in a cold oven. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've got a little uh, excerpt here from... Uh, oh, go for from, it. Um, well, it's, uh, Wikipedia, and it says... Uh, it, it's all about um, ancient Egypt, which is what reminded me of it. It says, um, mm. 
bodies of exceptionally beautiful women were not embalmed immediately after deaths, but only after several days had passed in order to prevent reoccurrence of a case where it was discovered that an embalmer had sex with the body of a recently dead woman. It's a tough time. (laughs) But I suppose if you're of that mindset, it's literally just a conveyor belt of opportunity. Another one that I wanted to cover, if you've heard of him, Harold the Great. Harold the Great. Uh, I have not, but I wonder if that's here on Wikipedia <laughs> It just... very well might be, because uh, we are told that he preserved the body of his deceased wife, uh, who was considered quite beautiful, in honey for seven years in order oh. to have intercourse with her after, get this, he had killed her. Oh. Yeah. Did it did it preserve the body well? The honey? I don't know. I never considered honey as being much of a preservative, but maybe it does. I mean what 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 I don't I mean I can't believe that I'm even thinking about this, but it's like oh, I wonder what the quantity or ratio of honey to human flesh was. What is that perfect yeah, I mean, balance? Wouldn't salt have been a better option, maybe? Probably, yeah. Maybe he had a larder full Not of honey. Just, you know, a good freezer. Maybe he had a larder full of honey, but he was like one of the first diabetics in history, and he just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's the use that he decided to put his honey with. But yeah, that's... Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely one of the more bizarre ones. Maybe he's just trying to sweeten her up. <laughs> oh, dear. Um... So, Baronet Sir John Preece, who died in 1761, who married three times, his last wife, Eleanor Jones, the widow of Roger Jones of Buckland, had insisted upon the removal of not one, but two embalmed corpses from uh, Sir John's bedroom before she agreed to marry him. They were the remains of his wives and one... Uh, of, of the wives one and two and they were preserved and kept one uh, on either side of his bed yeah oh. <laughs> I, I, I love that like oh. I, uh, you, you, you <laughs> I just it's, it's such extraordinary baggage to come across in a relationship like I like everything about you I like the fact that you behead people I like the fact that you go on religious crusades and I like the fact that you have more slaves than I have jewellery, but I'm really not down with the amount of bodies that, that, that that's in our bedroom. Uh, I suppose uh, a certain amount of dominance might wow the lady. Um, Maybe, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I really don't know. It's, it's such a peculiar um, one to go into, and... I've 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 had this as an idea for a while, not this specifically, but the idea of going into peculiar fetishes. Um, like there was one that I heard about one of my friends who'd been to, not so much a convention, but um, almost like a a meetup of some kind. And there was a lady there who gave a full on talk about how she liked her partner to, I quote, crack a rib every so often. Oh, one of her ribs or one of his own? Uh, one of hers. So she wanted well, him to like full on whack her in the. Well, there are some people that like pain, and if you if you think about it, if you think about people that enjoy a little bit of pain in in the bed, yeah. there are some people that like to take a step further. Yeah, 
Uh, but do you think like they? Because I imagine if you have a fetish like that, you undergo injury from that quite regularly. Do you think she just turns yeah. up at the hospital and they do, like all the all the people at the desks are just like, uh, "Well, you're at it again, <laughs> Josephine." Yeah. <laughs> Rough night. To, I bet it was. To think that maybe this person knew what she was doing. So like, you know, maybe the first few times she's, oh, oh crap, like. I've got a rib broken or something <laughs> in my body is broken. I'll go to the hospital and they'll be like, so, so what happened here? Uh, and she'll just like make up something like, oh, no, I fell off the bike or something like that. And then down the line, if, if this is a recurring thing, she'll just come up with different scenarios in which she could break a rib yeah. each time. She's <laughs> the most clumsy person. Well trained for it. Ever. So I have. She probably, she probably knows the the body quite well. I yeah. reckon someone like that must have at least some medical knowledge mm. by this point to allow themselves to be broken like that so many yeah. times. Like you would hope so, because there sometimes are events where fetishes can go wrong. And a brilliant example of this—it's not actual—it's not an actual example, but it's a sketch that's um, from a series called *League of Gentlemen*. I don't know if you've ever watched it. Yes, I've heard. I've heard of *League of Gentlemen*. I think I've so, um, the the sketch in question is this kind of fetish group that enjoy being suffocated. So oh, right. there's they're all in like these giant sumo body suits, but they're covered on the head area as well, and their air is regulated from a pump that is controlled by I guess the leader of this sex cult kind of swingers club. Yeah. But <laughs> he tu- he turns off the air and turns it on, and he's having a real jolly time of it. He turns off the air and then he has a heart attack. <laughs> and dies and then everyone else dies because they can't get their air back on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's great. So I have one more to cover of stories of uh, necrophilia. Um so Jonah the Mad was a name that she was given. She was the older sister of Catherine Aragon, which is a fantastic name. And she yeah. refused to abandon the corpse of her husband, Philip the Handsome, when he died of typhus at the young age of 28 in the year 1506. She kept his casket close to her and embraced his corpse at night and made her servants treat him as if he were still alive. How does that work? How do you treat someone that's dead as if they're still alive? Like, what? Put him into his day clothes and clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Put some breakfast by the casket. I think. (laughs) Oh, he didn't eat his breakfast again. He must must be (laughs) under the weather. You're not feeling very well, uh, Mr. Handsome. What if she tried to, like, you know, sort of prank her servants or whatever and just be like, yo, he's kind of. He's still alive. He's just sleeping. He's like he's got cold, hence the pale face. Yeah, uh, you know, just drop his food by by there. Then who will eat it later? And then she just eats it, puts the plate back there, and, <laughs> and they come and take the plate away. And they'd be like, "Oh, is he sleeping? Yeah, he's sleeping. Yeah, he's all right." Do you think she like finishes his dinner and then to quote Tenacious D, just sings to herself, "That's fucking teamwork." Yeah. <laughs> but he's actually dead, and yeah, she she's like singing alone, and then she's kind of like, ah. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but it's um, it reminds me. I think it was a Rick and Morty sketch. I can't. I'm not too sure. But there's um, I think it's where they're watching um, the universe TV station, and they come across a show. Yeah. About a load of cats that reanimate an old dead lady, and a young man falls in love with her. 
Yeah. And like this corpse is slowly falling apart, but he's still in love with her. It's like her her decomposition becomes his his lovable quirks about her. Oh, I, oh, I love it when oh. your when your arm falls off. Oh, that reminds me of the the end of Shaun of the Dead. And you got that woman on that that, that TV show. Oh yeah. Like I I know he's dead, but I still love him. You know, <laughs> he's just like you know, just a zombie, just like. <laughs> oh man. Well, I've, I've I've got to say thank you so much for covering this um, topic with me. I know it's been a bit of a weird one. It's all right. There's always a way to find a light situation out of it. All yes, there absolutely yeah. is. You just gotta dig deep. Yeah, but not too deep because you may come across a tomb and you'll get in trouble. <laughs> um, so I wanted to do a couple of announcements for Better Show. So um, the first one being that we actually have a ten-episode special coming up, hopefully within the next week, a uh, week or so, and we're going to be running those hopefully back to back. And they, of course, are going to be about the most notorious or 10 most notorious pirates. So we're going to be covering one pirate per episode. I do actually have a list of pirates. I may put those up on the Facebook page just so you guys know what we're going to be covering. And if anyone out there, including yourself, Spud, fancy a pirate to cover, you're more than welcome to send me a message and we can get that episode sorted out. Um, But that's definitely going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then obviously we've got our Jack the Ripper episode that we're desperately trying to put piece yeah. together. We'll eventually, we'll eventually get there. <laughs> eventually. Well, Spud, I've got to say thank you so much for joining us once again on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been fucking cool, Granddad. <laughs> you don't have to honeycoat it, or let's say, um, uh, yeah, don't don't honeycoat it too much because uh, I I know it's been it's been weird. But it, I, I yeah. felt like it's one that we eventually had to cover at some point. Um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we got it. <laughs> we've now got it out of the way. We don't have to. We don't have to talk about it again for hopefully for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thank you so much, and we'll hopefully have you back very soon. Yeah. Thank you. No worries. So, if you wish to find us, you can find us on our Facebook page, which is Better Show, spelled B-E-T-T-A Show. If you wish to get in contact, you can directly message us, not just your comments, but also stories that you may have of the paranormal and the peculiar. And maybe we may even read it out on the show or form a whole episode around what you've messaged us. Also, you can find us on Instagram, which is The Better Show. Uh, Spelt the same way, but you've got those weird little spacey things underneath the makeup to spaces. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. Have a very good day, weekend, morning, midday, evening, life and death. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Hopefully next week. See you then.